0: Chapter Seventeen of Grace Harlow with the American Army on the Rhine by Jesse Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Seventeen The Treachery of the Hun. Fortunately for those in the canteen, the heavy framework of the building stood up under the blast so though they were buried in the wreckage, it was comparatively light wreckage. Major Colt and one soldier suffered the most, the Major being hit on the head with a piece of galvanised iron roofing and knocked unconscious. It was Grace Harlow who raised the piece from his body and dug him out of the mess, though she herself was dazed almost to the point of losing herself. In the midst of the confusion she found herself thinking of Elfrida, who had not yet come on for the evening, though darkness had fallen, and Grace was thankful. After getting the officer out, Grace plunged into the wreckage again, for the canteen had caught fire and there were still others to be rescued. By this time doughboys had rushed to the scene, two grabbing her and fairly throwing her out. They ordered her to stay out, but not before she had dragged out Marie and made her as comfortable as possible. Major Colt had recovered consciousness by the time she got to him. What was it? He asked weakly. Ammunition dump, I think. Hun work, he growled. Looks like it. I hope our people will get busy now. "'Is there anything I can do for you? "'If not, I must look after Marie. "'She got a hard rap on the head, same as you did. "'If you will have someone help me to my quarters, "'I think I shall be all right. "'Did you get me out?' "'Yes. "'Here, buddy, will you please give Major Colt a lift?' "'She called to a passing soldier, and a moment later... After pressing Grace's hand, the balloonist was being guided to his billet. Grace, in the meantime, had assisted Marie to her feet and was leading her toward the house in which the welfare workers were living. Only a short distance away from the canteen, shells were going up with loud bangs, and this racket kept up for half an hour, until the last of the ammunition dump had been destroyed, wounding many persons, but fortunately having killed only two men. Doughboys soon put out the fire in the canteen, but all gave the ammunition dump a wide berth. Reaching the house the Overton girl was met by Elfrida, who had been considerably shaken up by the explosion which had crashed every window in the house. Ammunition dump blown up, Grace informed Elfrida in answer to the latter's glance of inquiry. Here we are, Marie. I will put you to bed, then I must hurry back. Elfrida, you had better go without me. "'We may be needed if they should wish to transfer the canteen to-night.' "'Mrs. Smythe was in her room. "'Grace observed that her face was pale and lined. "'What, what, what has happened?' she gasped. "'Nothing very much except that an ammunition dump has blown up. "'I have seen many of them go up, but never one quite so near.' "'The canteen is wrecked, Mrs. Smythe. "'Have you orders for us?' n n -n no stammered the supervisor. "'Yes. "'Go out and find out all you can, "'then come back and report to me.' "'About what?' demanded Grace politely. "'About what is to be done.' "'Very good. "'I will leave Marie in your hands.' She is badly shaken up and should be put to bed at once. That's her affair, observed the supervisor, beginning to get control of her nerves. Are you going? Grace nodded and stepped out into the hall where she found Elfreda awaiting her and together they hurried away. Absolutely unfeeling, declared Grace heatedly. She will make that girl put herself to bed, and Marie can scarcely stand. "'Tell me about it,' urged Miss Briggs. "'I know nothing at all about it except that a building fell in on us. I assisted Marie and the Major out, the latter having received a bang on the head that completely knocked him out. By the way, do you know a Chinaman who carries a red birthmark on the left side of his face?' "'I do not,' returned J. Elfreda, elevating her chin a little. "'I do not associate with those animals.' "'Be sensible, Elfreda. "'Why do you ask?' demanded Elfreda. "'I have my reasons. Some queer doings in Koblenz, and the end is not yet. "'Do—do you think the Bosches blew up the dump?' "'I cannot say that. "'My natural impression, of course, is that they did. "'I was asking the Major about Miss Marshall "'about the time the blow-up occurred, "'and he suggested that I ask Captain Boucher, "'intimating that if the Captain would talk "'he would give me information that would amaze me. "'Hm, that sounds interesting. "'He will talk to you all right. "'Everyone does. "'Oh, look at the canteen!' she cried, when they came within sight of the wrecked building. A squad of men, with an officer in charge, were at work, clearing away and salvaging such of the supplies as had not been destroyed. "'Here, Mrs. Gray, I am glad you have come over. What are we to do with this stuff?' demanded the officer. "'I am not in charge, Lieutenant. Mrs. Smythe is the supervisor.' then why isn't she here attending to her duties? Grace said she could not answer for that. I would suggest, sir, if you will, that you have the supplies taken on a truck to the number two canteen. Tomorrow the supervisor can make such disposition of them as she sees fit. Very good. I commission you to take charge of removing and caring for the goods. You are under orders.' Grace saluted and asked the officer to order a truck to the scene, which he promptly did. Grace then got to work. Her salvaging was thorough. There were many boxes of chocolate bars that had been crushed, in some instances, to powder. These she had carefully removed, saving every possible grain of the sweets for melting over. Observing that she was handling the situation properly, the officer went away. After two hours of hard work the supplies were collected and loaded on the truck. Grace thanked the men who had worked so well for her and climbing to the seat of the truck rode with it to its destination. The number two canteen was located some distance from the scene of the explosion but it had suffered the loss of most of its windows just the same as had many of the buildings in Koblenz. Number two canteen being open, Grace informed the worker in charge that the supplies were to be left there until Mrs. Smythe gave orders for their distribution. Grace then started for home. Reaching her billet, Grace tapped on the door of Mrs. Smythe's room, wishing to report what had been done. The supervisor bade her enter. "'Oh, I beg pardon?' exclaimed Grace, observing that Mrs. Smythe was not alone. A well-groomed man, wearing a Van Dyke beard, slightly grey, rose and extended a hand to the Overton girl. Mrs. Grey, I believe? Yes, sir, she answered. And you? I am Dr. Carl Klein. Being the guest of my home, it is well that we should know each other. I trust you are quite comfortable. Thank you. I am sure that I shall be after I have had opportunity to compose myself. A sudden aversion to this suave German fairly overwhelmed Grace Harlowe. He jarred on her, aroused a feeling of antagonism that would not down. He was altogether too smooth, too polite and courteous for a hun was the reason that Grace felt that way. "'Mrs. Smythe, you will pardon me, sir. "'Acting upon the orders of an officer, "'I had the supplies, such of them as we were able to salvage, "'removed to Number 2 Canteen, "'where they are to be held awaiting your orders.' "'What? You gave orders over my head?' "'demanded the woman sternly. "'I acted under the orders of an officer, madame.' "'You will return at once,' take the things back where they were, pile them up, and have a guard placed over them. I think you are mistaken, Mrs. Smythe, answered Grace sweetly, though there was little sweetness in her heart at that moment. She had been humiliated before Dr. Klein, and even though he were an enemy, the cut was felt keenly. What is that you say? "'that so far as I am concerned "'the supplies will remain where they are "'for the rest of the night. "'It undoubtedly will rain before morning "'and the supplies will be ruined if left out. "'Furthermore, I acted under the orders "'of an American officer. "'It is true that you are my superior, "'but he is the superior of both of us.' "'You dare to disobey my orders?' "'shouted the supervisor.' If you choose to so construe it, yes, but with no intention of being impertinent or disobedient. I beg to remind you that you have your remedy should you feel that I am guilty of insubordination. It is your privilege to report me. I bid you good night. Grace bowed to the doctor and, turning on her heel, walked from the room. Whatever is the matter with you? demanded Elfrida when Grace walked into their quarters. You are as pale as the proverbial ghost. Matter. J. Elfrida, I never was so humiliated in my life. Madame is furious because I had the supplies removed under the orders of the lieutenant. Take it easy now, loyal heart, soothed Miss Briggs. Let her do her worst, which can be no more than reporting you. That is just the trouble. After a time, our superiors will begin to believe that where there is such a smudge, there must at least be a few coals, if not a real fire. Who and what is this man? What man do you refer to? Dr. Klein. Beyond the fact that he is our landlord, I have no information about him. Why? I do not trust him. There is something queer about the man. Perhaps it is you who are queer, loyal heart. I call the doctor a most courteous gentleman for a hun. Exactly. That is what I mean, in part. He is too courteous for his kind. Furthermore, my intuition tells me that there is something wrong with him. I seem to be getting into a perfect maze of contradicting elements." I wish I did not have such an imagination. I see more mystery everywhere since we came to Koblenz than I can express in words. How is Marie? I was so upset over the way Madame went at me that I forgot to ask. Asleep when I went in to inquire. I don't believe she is much hurt. My advice to you is to get into bed and go to sleep. You are worn out and your nerves are upset which is not surprising when one considers that you fell out of the skies the day before yesterday. "'At least my equilibrium was upset,' grinned Grace. "'Yes, I will turn in, but I know I shall have bad dreams tonight, and that our friend the Doctor will be the principal character in them. "'To add to my troubles, I presume I shall be called upon for an explanation to-morrow.' Madame is certain to report me, nor do I blame her so very much in the circumstances. Good night. Do you know, I don't think you are much of a lawyer, or you wouldn't let your one and only client get into such perplexing situations. Thank you. I agree with you on the main issue.' What I should do is to have a commission in lunacy appointed for you and then browbeat them into believing that you are an unsafe person to be allowed to remain at large. Good night, laughed Grace, getting into bed. Please don't blow out the gas in your excitement. Elfreda was trying to do this very thing. In my craziest moods I never was so afflicted that I tried to put out the gas by blowing it. Grace was soon asleep, but hers was not a wholly restful night, dreaming as she did of plots against herself and her country, in which Molly Marshall, Juan Lu, and Mrs. Chadsey Smythe were inextricably entangled, with Dr. Klein as the chief figure in the conspiracy.' End of chapter 17. Recording by Ashley Jane.